Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapists, brought to you by Virginia Family Therapy and Amanda and Caroline and Sarah. (laughs) We are happy to be here, y'all. We are in the mode for returning to school, which is not how we feel emotionally. But we know we need to be talking about it. I know. It does feel a little too early to be talking about going back to school, but I am feeling it. Like, kids are talking about it. Parents are starting to mention it. And, of course, our podcast was about it the last two weeks. It is weird because I think time in my head, all of COVID has just been so weird. And now, like, it is almost August. And so it's, like, that time to be preparing to go back to school. But I just haven't personally checked into it yet. Guys, and I am personally living my dream. I've joined a volleyball team. <laughs> I think she's semi-pro. I'm, I'm a volleyball player it's now. It's a beach and it's volleyball me, team, right? It's a beach volleyball team. And it's given me a lot of lift, like an emotional lift that I've never would have found kind of through the summer. So it is a little bit of a bummer to then also be scheduling my kids' afternoon activities because I'm in that mode where it's like, who's doing this carpool on Tuesday? Oh, wow. What activities are my kids going to be doing? You know, I'm talking to all the parents to do that stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm having my first real foray into motherhood right now because Bullet, my dog, needs socializing after the pandemic. And y'all, on Monday nights, I drive 30 minutes to a lovely dog trainer's home who also does boarding and stuff. So there are lots of dogs for my dog to socialize with. And I spend an hour and a half there, (laughs) an absurd amount of money to expose my dog to other dogs and drive 30 minutes home. Is it working? It is working. He said yesterday, Bullet is exactly where we would want him to be. Oh, that is nice. Well done, Bullet. But I'm like, so I now spend two and a half hours on my Monday evenings. That is your first foray into parenting. It is. Yeah, that's it. Right and there. Do you, do you pay Bullet for his A's? Mm. I don't know that <laughs> he I agree gets... with that kind of method, by the way. I just want to share that, but mm. I'm just asking. No, he does get a lot of treats because we're reinforcing appropriate behaviors. So guys, one of the reasons we're thinking about schools is because it's coming up. And one of the things that we as therapists run into a ton is this conversation around cell phones in schools for middle schoolers and teenagers, how they use cell phones in schools. But even more importantly, how do parents respond to the cell phone use in school? Because I actually think that that is where a lot of the work is, is how are we as parents responding to our kids when they text us from school? Totally agree. I think oftentimes we'll have parents and kids, families come in and the kid will kind of mention it. If you're talking to the parent alone, they will just download. Like it is making me crazy how much I hear from my kid. Like it's taking up my day and also making me anxious and worry, like all these things. So what is going on? I mean, I actually feel like I could do three hours on with some (laughs) clients around around creating a system for cell phone use at school between kids and parents because it's a transaction. You could spend a lot of time 
figuring this out. But I think if we think about it from a developmental standpoint of like, what is the task of a high schooler? It's individuating and starting to like really rely on their peers. A million percent. Right? So, and this is high school, not as much middle school. Yes. But if a high schooler is spending their day reaching out to a parent and texting a parent, they're not actually having the opportunity to separate from their parent. And as the parent of a high schooler, they're also not paying attention to what's being taught in the classroom in that five-minute span. Mm -hmm. I basically tell my teenagers that multitasking doesn't exist. You can't listen and text. If I had a cell phone in school, I would have gotten nothing done. I mean, because I clearly have some attention issues. I can't imagine what would have happened if I would have had a cell phone underneath my desk. Oh, I had a flip phone. I would have been going crazy. I doodling was a problem. Oh, me too. Because I'm attention deficit. So I can't, if I had a phone, I don't know that I would have gone to college. My mom and I were super close, which was really, really great. But my mom would have probably loved chatting with me all day long over the cell phone as I was texting her during school. And I think if you have time to do that as a parent, I could see, like, I think about my mom too. And, oh, I totally texted my mom during the school day when I was- You did? Yeah. When I was in high school, I honestly think it was easier to text on a flip phone because you could feel where the keys were. So you could do it under the desk <laughs> so you had easily. To hit the seven, like oh five times. Yeah. Like, like the next one letter. letter. Oh Please help me. Took 18 minutes to text, but it's <laughs> fine. But I'm like, I can totally see from the parent's perspective how, like, you want to lean in and you want to maintain the connection because it's so hard to have a teenager. That like yep. if they're reaching out, you're like, oh, yes. Well, it might be the only time they're nice to you. Right. But so that doesn't mean it's necessarily appropriate. That's very true. So let's break this up for a second. So we have a list of the reasons why kids text their parents during school. But let's spend a little bit of a minute. I think this is important. How do parents feel when their kids why is it even important about why kids are texting their parents? And I think what you were talking about is how good it feels to the parent when they are actually having what is, quote unquote, a real conversation with their kid, right? Yes, because your kid is learning to individuate, which also means break up with you. So when you're going through that breakup, I mean, there's some heartache in that for a parent. Absolutely. So if they are kind of nasty to you all day, this is so many teenagers, the only time they might be nice is from 11 to 11.15 at night. And if you're the kind of parent that likes to go to sleep early, like me, the only other time is when they're texting you from the school day. Yes, when they might need something. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, you want to be so emotionally available, like the inclination is to be emotionally available to them to respond to be supportive, they're actually sending you some information, you want to be there for them, right? Yes. And it's a wind. it feels like a window of opportunity. Absolutely. But it may not actually be a window of opportunity. Guys, we are getting dark really quickly because I think... We're getting deep, maybe. Yeah. But it's like, it feels like a window of opportunity, but we're actually saying it's kind of inhibiting to the individuation process, the separation process. Yes, it could be. I mean, there are definitely healthy reasons for kids to text you or to reach out to you while they're in school, for sure. But... If you are their distraction in class or all these other things that we'll talk about, are they really healthy? That's our question. That's the and, question. Yeah. And going back to the idea of are they really learning? Yes. Yeah. Because 
I don't know about you guys, but like the idea that I can be on my phone and pay attention to anything anyone is saying is just a lie. Like the second I look at my phone, whatever is happening around me, I'm like zoned out of. Yes. Right. Now there are moments in school that it's absolutely okay to be zoned out of, right? And so the idea is they would be texting you during those moments, but the chances of that are pretty slim. So I think if we say the main reason we send our kids to school is for socialization and to learn, texting parents during those times is mostly getting in the way of both of those. So let's break that down into some detail. I totally agree, by the way. I'm doing the deep dive internally as we're talking. Really? (laughs) Kind of. I'm just thinking back. I I mean, different stages too. High school is really different from middle school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes and, sense. And even like thinking about this isn't actually the case for my kid, but let's say you have a kid who's shy or new who is going to during lunch, which is, you know, can be overwhelming sometimes in a new school or a new setting or just a place where you're not comfortable. What if that kid is going off and texting a parent for the 20 minutes of lunch break? Like, who are they going to meet? Also, just like. We have gotten so obsessed and connected with our phones. Like I have clients who talk about if they have to go to school or if they have to do something social without their phone and they can't pretend to be busy Mm -hmm. on their phone and what would be an awkward moment, their anxiety is so intense, right? Because you just like pretend to be texting or you're on social media so you don't have to make eye contact or you don't have to figure out. I do that too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think I'm going to go in a bar without my phone? I went to a bar to see Caroline this weekend, and I was like, thank God if I have to go to the bathroom line, I got my phone with me. Right. Hanging out with these (laughs) 30-year-olds. Well, even, you know, I mean, the other piece of this is when you challenge that in your teen, a lot of times they drop the safety card. Well, if I don't have my phone and something terrible happens, well, of course, that goes right to your heart as a parent Mm -hmm. because the last thing you want is something terrible to happen. So the teens also know how to use it to play the fear card. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is actually, as a parent, we think responding to them is going to be helpful. Largely, it probably isn't as helpful. And so we want to talk to you about reasons why your kid might be texting you and potential reasons why your response could be getting in the way. I texted my parents all the time because I forgot stuff. I was the youngest one left it in high school and we lived very close to where I went to school. And yes, my parents helped me out <laughs> numerous times because I would text and be like, I forgot, blah, blah, blah. Oftentimes my viola. Accidentally on purpose. Oh, yeah. See, what I did for a while was just leave it at school. But then the orchestra teacher started looking at the name tags on the violas <laughs> to see who wasn't practicing. <laughs> So I had to start bringing it home so that it appeared I was practicing my viola and then I would forget it. I'm pretty sure, I mean, my mom might have saved me once or twice. I think I'm way more available time-wise. I, when I was working full-time, I was not. When I took some time off from work, I was more available to run things to the school, clearly. Mm-hmm. But at my house when I was growing up, I had siblings that were all younger. One was still a toddler. There's no way my mom would have run lunch over to me. Right. And the school was further away. I mean, I think it depends a lot on, you know, access and location and things like Mm -hmm. that with the school. But yeah, I mean, kids do call or text a lot. I know when I would be in the schools, in the middle school office, for example, helping with something, you just saw parents like walk in nonstop, dropping off, you know, folders and lunch boxes (laughs) and papers and jackets. And I mean, 
which is great. That's lovely. It's just not reality necessarily. Well, I think what it does is it parents want their kids to be successful. So if your kid has forgotten their homework and it's really important homework, we are pulled to help them be successful by bringing them their homework. We want to protect them from getting a not great grade. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if they know we are going to bring it to them, they are not going to learn how to make sure they're packing it the night before. Now, man, I really wish I was good about giving myself 10 minutes to pack up for the next day. If I had some natural repercussions, maybe I would actually do that. But kids don't have the negative outcomes when we save them from that. Right. So what are we teaching in reverse, actually? We're teaching kids to rely on external resources to fix things for them and not take accountability or responsibility for things that, I mean, it's okay to make mistakes. I mean, teachers can get mad or frustrated and, and you're also ultimately could be held accountable, but those, that's kind of how it works. Absolutely. That's how jobs work. That's how the real world works. Yeah. I mean, if I forget my computer charger at home now is what it is. But Caroline, I'm actually fascinated that you forgot a lot of things in high school because you remember things. Mm -hmm. You seem like a rememberer. It wasn't frequent, but I think I would get very anxious when I did forget things. My mom couldn't save me. Like she didn't save me that much because she was working. And so what I have really gotten good at, I think, is using my verbal skills to like get out of something. Not in a bad way. Are you a negotiator? Yeah, I think I'm a negotiator. I think I I learned how to say to the teacher, like, I'm so sorry. I forgot this. I'll bring it in. I will, you know, I'll do an extra paragraph to demonstrate to you. You know, how do I talk to people? Actually, Mm -hmm. I think this is true. How do I talk to people and still get the grade because my mom wasn't able to save me that much. I mean, do you remember, I still re- can recall pretty easily that feeling of sitting in class and realizing you forgot to do the assignment or you checked and it's not in the notebook you brought, like whatever it was, like just that sinking feeling. Mm-hmm. I was a bit of a tryhard probably, but I mean, I just didn't want, I always did my homework. I just was anxious enough to always do my homework. And I just remember that feeling of panic. And I also didn't have, I mean, my mom was busy with kids, so I wasn't going to, they wasn't going to throw everybody in the car and drive something across town to me. So it wasn't just going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like you are giving your child a chance to not only make mistakes and recover and know that they can, but also learn a new skill like manipulation, like a man, oh, sorry, negotiation. <laughs> I, just I actually, I was like, as I was saying this, like, this does not sound great. <laughs> But I do think when my mom would come drop something off for me and I would run outside and I'd be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was like a moment between me and my mom. Yeah. Right? And like I can understand – I don't think it happened enough that it it wasn't like a daily thing. So it wasn't really getting in the way. But I can understand if someone had told both of us, you need to stop doing that, that it would have been really hard. Yes, absolutely. It's really hard. And again, hard for both of you, not just you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like it would have put more responsibility on me to like make sure I have, you know, myself together the night before the morning of. But I think it would have been hard for my mom to like, yeah, I was still a moody teenager that was like, leave me alone (laughs) half the time. So I think it would have been hard for her to not get to have that moment. So here's what I actually think. I'm going to jump to the end of what I think one of the solutions is, and then we can go back to reasons. Because I think it's too hard for parents to say no. 
I think if you knew that your mom got a text saying, help me, and she saw it, and she wasn't able to respond, that would feel bad. I don't think, I think some parents should tell their kids, I am not going to be looking at texts from you throughout the whole day. Right. You shouldn't even open it. You shouldn't even open it because then it's that emotional piece of like, are you here for me? And then there's the guilt on the parent. If you knew your mom didn't see it, you wouldn't be mad at her or feel let down if she Mm -hmm. didn't give it to you. And your mom wouldn't have to like sit with this idea that Caroline needs me and I haven't talked to her and she was mean to me and or you know what I mean? It's almost like that text is creating this part of the relationship that's too hard. There's no win in it. So I have to say we, I am a huge fan of code words or code phrases with Mm -hmm. my daughter. So I have to say, like, I think I'm trying to think if we have one now, probably not. I mean, she's a junior in high school. So the self-sufficiency is bar has risen a great deal, but I think early on we had codes. So if I got a text that said, you know, kind of code red or blue or, you know, some random word, you know, or the dog is chasing the cat, you know, whatever it was, I would know the level of seriousness and it taught her to evaluate it before she used it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. so that she wouldn't necessarily text me, help me, unless it was an emergency, because there was no, like, going back from that. If you're, like, that's code, you know, that's, like, 10th gear for me. We probably talked about kind of scaffolding the need before the school year started when she was younger. And I I do think that, like, If you've been in that pattern with your kid, the beginning of the school year is also probably the easiest time to change it. Yes. That's why we're talking about this this week. 100%. Yeah. Because if you get to winter break and you've been in this dynamic with your kid for a semester, it's going to be harder for both of you to find your way out. And so if you can like start setting the expectation now Mm -hmm. that – hey, I know in the past we've texted a lot at school. This is why I think it's important that we're not. I feel like that's a much easier adjustment. Absolutely. Than mid-year. Yeah. And saying to your kids, here are some code words. Let's talk about how you use them and evaluating them. But if it's a code blue, I'm not responding. I can't. I'm looking at it. And there's also this piece of kids recognizing that adults have things to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the the idea that I could be in the middle of my work day and Cole sending me a text, which I'm sure he will do, that's going to stress me out. It's going to make it hard for me to focus on what I need to do to help our family work and for me to be an individual person that's not just a mom. Well, and I think in our job in particular, it's interesting because like I don't have access to my phone mm-hmm. for 45 minutes or 90 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't even pick it up. And I guess when I have children, my Apple Watch calls come through. So if the school called, I could mm-hmm. see that, but I wouldn't see a text. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think that sets up a healthier dynamic than people who are on a computer and can see all those texts coming in because then your heart can be, it's on your, it's on your mind mm-hmm. as they come in. And it depends on your history, right? If you have any past history with your kid having any sort of trauma or injury or things like that, then that can really escalate you as a parent and your response. I mean, we used to joke... When my daughter was in elementary school, we all joked about getting these calls from the nurse and how we actually wanted to go in and speak to the nurse and give her code words because we would get calls for everything, you know, like your daughter's lips are chapped today or, Mm -hmm. you know, I gave her vessel because they kind of have to call for permission for everything. You're just like, okay, just call if her hair is on fire. 
But I mean, I think, and then the kids kind of take over from there. Like then they hit middle school and if they have a phone, then they start doing those things. But I think it is hard and depending on the age and stage of your kid and your relationship, like you said, but also your own history. Like I know if my central nervous system is wired to where I'm going to be super anxious if I get a phone call from school, I need to be aware of that as a parent. I need to be able to kind of work on that myself so that my response isn't so emergent or just so that Mm -hmm. I don't grab the phone every time it rings and it's the school name on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to another reason why kids would be texting you. And we talked about this a little bit when you're talking about the kid who maybe doesn't have anyone to talk to during lunch. And there are lots of kids in this situation. And it's not just lunch. It's like in a classroom or even in a one minute, like one second interaction. I think if kids, teenagers aren't looking like they're talking to someone else, they feel anxious. So a lot of times they might text their parent and tell them how they're feeling about the day, which is like, I hate this place. You know, come get me. I'm so anxious. I'm so worried. Everyone hates me. How could you make me go to this school? Something along those lines. I'm not coming back. Yeah. Are we robbing our children of dorky moments? Right. Like how many times do you feel and look awkward socially growing up? Growing up or now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. I totally agree with you, by the way, because look at how many adults grab their phones in like weird places Mm -hmm. and start looking at their phones um, or fake talking to somebody on the phone or whatever. But yeah, I mean, our kids, like, I mean, I was, I could be such a dork in high school or such a dork in middle school, trying, like, just awkwardly standing, you know, trying to hold my space as a human in uncomfortable situations. But I would imagine I must have learned something. I mean, I'm still really dorky, but I can hold my space. So, like, are we, decreasing the opportunity for kids to learn that in a sense or or i think modern life whatever 2021 has just created so many opportunities for avoidance you can just avoid now in a way that you couldn't avoid Mm -hmm. well they say cell phone use in general it is good for reducing anxiety it's kind of the most satisfying thing that you can do in a minute right you feel a great sense of satisfaction when you send a text or you see you know, the weather report or whatever, but it leads to a very unfulfilling life. So it's satisfying yet unfulfilling. So there's mm-hmm. a chemical reaction in your brain, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's dopamine, I think. Yes. I, yes. And then it's nothing unless you're right. watching a video of like something really sweet and cute, I guess. So it's really, it's become a therapy pet. Yeah, it is. Your cell phone. It is a mm-hmm. therapy pet. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That is kind of weird, right? But it also, it reduces our ability. You know, when I was awkward in middle school and high school, which was all seven years, when I felt anxious, I used that anxiety to help me learn how to talk to other people, right? And maybe I found, because everyone is anxious. Every single person is anxious in that setting. So I'm sure if you're that one person who's feeling anxious, if you look up, you're going to find someone else who's feeling anxious. And you will make a friend in that situation. The problem is, is that when people are looking at their cell phones, you're not noticing who else is just on their cell phone texting their parent or playing. I guess it's not Minesweeper, but that was no, like that's the probably not that it. we had. No, it makes me think. I grew up moving about every two and a half, three years, and I always had to come in and fit in somewhere new. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, if we had had cell phones back then, like, would any of ever had spoken to me? Like, would mm-hmm. anybody have had a conversation with me when I first got there? Well, and Probably you wouldn't not. have had to have a conversation with any of no, them. No, I wouldn't have had to meet or talk to anyone mm-hmm. at all. I would have just kept to myself and probably... And texted your old friends. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Never branched out. So again, like in the school setting, is that what the parent is kind of doing too, is robbing your kid of all those new experiences? 
So let's talk a little bit about why do kids call home? Like, why do kids text their parents? We've said, in case you forget something, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, what else? That emotional support, like, I hate this place. Right. The awkwardness, that awkward moment. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think there's the rescue of, like, you know, you've gone past the point mom's mom or dad's emotional support via phone isn't enough. So it's like, come get me. I can't be here. I need to come home. I'm so anxious. I feel sick, right? Like, yep. I feel sick. My stomach hurts. I have a headache. I have a headache. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the play, like just including the parent, like in whatever's happening, like this math class sucks. I would I love that though. Like I would love it. In all honesty, if I had some kid that would be like, oh, so-and-so is talking to so-and-so, I'd be like, tell me more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, give me, give me all the deeds on that. Right. No, that's totally what it's like to be the parent of a high school kid. <laughs> but I think what's different is that like when you're getting the live play-by-play, you're getting the intensity of the emotion in the moment. Yes. Which is so different than the intensity of the emotion by the end of the school day. You're also taking the kid out of the moment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm not saying if it's like an emergency situation, like the fire. No, but like if something. you get in an argument with a friend at school, right? Like in the morning, or your friend doesn't say hi to you in the morning in the hallway, and you get super, super anxious, right? Like the goal would be you work through it, right? You see your friend again, you say hey, they say hey back. Things you feel talk normal. to another friend to problem solve. Yeah, you problem solve. You take space. You say, "Hey, you didn't say hi to me this morning in the hallway." Is it right? Like you mm-hmm. guys figure it out, and by the end of the day, your report of the day would be like, "It was fine." <laughs> well, even like when you have elementary school kids and they don't have phones yet, you could have just a hellish morning. Like it can be right. awful, and you drop the kid off and. I would then go off to work if I felt like the morning had been rough and I would feel bad about it and I would think about it for a couple hours. And then I would like, couldn't wait to go pick up my daughter because I just felt bad about how the morning had gone. And then she would jump in the car and she had no memory of the morning. Like she was, she'd had a great day mm-hmm. and I had suffered from the morning all day mm-hmm. because I was worried about how she was feeling. She dumped it five seconds after she walked in the hall. And I just, it took me a while to like get used to that. So kind of what you're saying, like you're getting a snapshot if you're getting the height of the emotion. Right. and shouldn't you let the kid process through that? Like, mm-hmm. sh- shouldn't they have permission to work work that out themselves in that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you want is like a highlight reel at the end of the day. Right. That's a good way of putting it. Because if they're telling us, they're not telling their friends, they're not telling their teachers, they're not telling the, the coach, right? We're almost robbing them of other people to share their world with. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. We want more people to love on our kids. And if they're always talking to us, they're not doing that. And in all honesty, a lot of the things we can't fix in the moment, right? So even if we give our kid a million suggestions for how they could go talk to their friend who they are worried might be upset with them, like everything you say in that moment with a teenager is probably going to feel wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just like asking to be like <laughs> blown up on. Yeah. Basically, they're just going to shift with their frustration they have onto you for even making a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Absolutely. Not that I know what that feels like, but I'm just saying. I (laughs) think that's what might happen. So these are our reasons. We do have some reasons that are actually legit for teenagers to text you. But I think these are the reasons that we think it's important to not always receive the text as a parent. Because I do think kids are putting us in a position as a parent and texts are putting us in a position as a parent to be connected to our kids all day and to feel those emotions. And 
once we hear it, we're not going to be able to walk away from it, I think. Is that, what do you think? Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. I think that's right. And I think the strategy then to start that breakup process is, for one, you can code the messaging coming to you to work that out with your kid, if that's helpful. And that's probably more of a middle school age, truthfully. And then I think the other thing is, you know, and you can share this with your child or not share this with your child. But I think I would suggest kind of slowly, maybe every couple of days, giving a slightly more of a delay to your response. If it's something you've already established as a pattern that you're a quick responder to your kid's text. So from Monday to Wednesday, you give yourself two minutes. From, you know, Thursday to the following Monday, five. Like you just slowly space them out. And I mean, your kid's going to notice and maybe even bring it up. But if that's, if the child or adolescent brings it up, then you get to have a discussion about it. I can't picture coming home to my kid who may be experiencing something in me just saying, hey, by the way, I know school is really creating a lot of anxiety for you. Let's try this. I'm not going to respond to your text tomorrow. <laughs> like that feels a little rough as a parent, truthfully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think knowing what your intent is as a parent and just, again, kind of grading yourself, like doing it in a slow manner so you can you can be successful and they can be successful. And I do think in that, Sarah, so you're kind of saying if you're in the pattern already of responding to these types of texts, slowly get yourself out of it. Maybe have a conversation with your kid about how you're going to get yourself out of it. Because it is once you're in the pattern, it's hard to move. Mm-hmm. I think for those parents that have not set this pattern, I do think there's a world or are giving their kids phones for the first time, or they're going to high school for the first time, all right. these natural transitions. I think setting the stage just like, hey, here's your phone. So glad you have it. And guess what? Not listening. I'm not responding to texts from you until school hours are out. Because I believe you're in school, you wouldn't say to individuate and like develop, <laughs> but I, I believe you're in school to learn and to make friends. And when you're texting me, that's not happening. And so I'm giving you your space as an independent young person and really feed into that sense of independence for them proactively. And I think it's interesting too, because I wonder, you know, if you revisited some of the text in the afternoon, what it would be like. Oh, that's a great question. So are you guys saying that I should not put the GoPro on my kid when she's in high school this year? Because I was kind of thinking that would be kind of fun. I would watch it. I would watch too, right? Like real life? No. I mean, I think as the kids get older, they want less. They want you when they want you, but they want less involvement anyway. So Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's a healthy thing. And I think most kids, if like you say, like what you just did, Amanda and Caroline, if you say that to them, they're going to feel good about the fact that you are leaning into trusting them more. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and building that kind of independence, especially if they're younger, they don't drive yet. I mean, one of the things we used to say at my house was, you know, like, we're prepping you to have the freedom to drive, which is a huge responsibility. Right. So each of these little steps is part of all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to be very, very bad about this because I'm going to send my kids off to school. And if they're worried about something or upset about something, I will be worried about it. And so I'm going to want to say to them, like, hey, text me after you have that conversation or text me after that math test and tell me how it goes. Yeah. Right. But it's my job to not put my kid in that situation either. Guys, not only are we launching our kids to be adults, but we're also launching ourselves to be like, quote unquote, empty nesters. Mm -hmm. I know that's a weird thing, but we also have to (laughs) fill up our buckets or whatever of not being involved in their every day to day. 
And as they grow up, we need to have other things to do as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's a really good point. That is a really good I point. Thought, I literally hadn't thought about it until just now. And it didn't make me feel like I wanted to throw up when you said it. So I'm feeling better about that. That's good. I must be making progress. <laughs> just kidding. I will not be going to college with my daughter just so everybody. But it's natural to want to. It is natural, but we have to kind of fight that natural inclination. Have you guys seen the Tina Fey um, clip where she talks about having a teenage daughter? Yes. It makes me laugh. So Tina Fey does this great kind of monologue where she feels like she's dating someone, right? Isn't that the kind Mm -hmm. of thing where she's kind of like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, it'd be really fun to see you. And it's like this constant rejection from their teenage girl, Mm -hmm. teenage daughter. And it is, I mean, really, like raising teenagers is like that. Like they can be so loving and so awesome and you cherish that moment. And then sometimes you just, gosh, I mean, they've lived with you their whole lives so they know exactly how to hurt your feelings. And so this is one of those things where, you know, we're doing something in their best interest, but it is also hard for us mm-hmm. for sure. So when are, when should we pay? Like when are some things we should kind of agree with our teens that are good things to text back and forth or good things that we should use the phone for both parties really. So I think there's a coordination text, right? And, and those are kind of like, Hey, can I go so-and-so, you know, go somewhere after school or Hey, can I go to somewhere after school? Or can so-and-so give me a ride home from practice? Mm -hmm. So I have the 24-hour rule. Have I told you guys this? No, but this is how it should be. I just can't imagine that I'm so planful. So go ahead. So the 24-hour rule at my house means it has to go on the calendar 24 hours ahead. And if it's not on there, then it may or may not happen. However, I have to say the exception to this are things like practice being changed, group projects for school, or you know any mm-hmm. of these things. And so what we're doing is we're teaching our kids the responsibility of letting you know what the change is and what's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. And that is something they'll be using at work, right? These are, mm-hmm. these are skills they'll use in college. These are skills they'll use on a job somewhere. Being able to communicate change is basically what that is. So I agree with you. That's a really important one. And that's one that goes, that responsibility really does go on your kid. And I think it's important if we're going to talk about like communicating logistics is you know, things change, but being as proactive as you can. It's not fair to the parent to show up to pick up your child at practice or at rehearsal or whatever, and for your child to then text you and say, oh, I'm on my way home with so-and-so, Oh yeah, right? Like, they've missed the window Mm -hmm. of when they could text that to you because, like, you've already come to get them. (laughs) Yeah, that would not go well at my Mm -hmm. house. Right? So I think it's, like, Making sure that it's like within reason. Yes, absolutely. Which again, the 24-hour rule helps that kind of thing. Right. But sometimes there are last minute changes. But yeah, absolutely. And that does still happen even when you have the 24-hour rule, just so you know. But it is, it's important to be able to communicate. And again, like in any job or any relationship or any, you know, anything, you need to learn good communication skills. And that's what we're teaching in that sense. My husband should put me on a 24-hour rule. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking, because I am, I really have a hard time with that. You know what I mean? And I think that if I, because I'm not 24 hours ahead yet, right? Like I'm uh, not 24 mm-hmm. hours ahead of my kids in order to be able to respond. Like I don't know what's happening in the next hour. And so if I were to put my kids on a 24-hour rule, that would mean that I would have to have myself together mm-hmm. in order to know who is going to drive them home from soccer practice. And that would actually be a huge benefit. I think the 24 hour rule would help me. Yeah. But you guys, you still have little kids. I mean, I think it, 
Yes. And it would be really helpful. I think as the kids get older and when all three of them are going in different directions, that's when the 24 hour rule will be really great at your house mm-hmm. because they'll be adjusting rides and you'll, there's only two of you to take three of them everywhere. So it'll be, that'll be when it really pays off. It pays off, especially when your kid becomes more mobile and they can't drive yet. I think that's when it's right. really key. But yeah, it does really help. The 24 hour, like, we're going to have to talk to your husband about 24 hour. I thought you meant you were just really um, impulsive and would like just want to go out all the time. Oh, because that, that would never happen. Amanda want to be social? <laughs> I mean, guys, we need the 24-hour rule. I am not – Robert, don't listen to this podcast. It's okay. He doesn't. No, but it would be like – I imagine myself as a mom in that situation. Like, it would probably be good for me if I had a 24-hour rule and then, like, I didn't get to do something because I didn't plan it in time. Just yes. to, like, feel disappointed and know that my kid would feel disappointed when it doesn't work for them, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is hard when your kid is like, but can I please go to someone's house? Can I please, please, please? Right? Mm-hmm. That it's That hard. is the part that it's hard, especially during the summer. But I can see during the school year, it would mm-hmm. be particularly helpful because there are so many demands anyway. What if you're mm-hmm. a working family, especially too, because you need to know where the kids are. And- yes. Because what happens is I get flexible and then that screws up all the other four members of the house. So <sighs> I'm like, yeah, sure you can. No big deal. And then I have to communicate to everyone else. And then I've like, Lost my mm, own sense yes. of traction. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, everything comes up, becomes a little bit less anchored. And that's not just with lots of kids. That could happen with one kid, by the way. I've successfully unanchored my... No, you're making me feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when else would this be good? I mean, I think like a significant emergency situation. Agree. Yeah. And I think we've been very lucky in our community. We don't have many of those, um, but certainly school systems have them. School, mm-hmm. Certain schools have them. And I think with those, you can outline what those are with kids ahead of time too. Like mm-hmm. an emergency isn't that you forgot your shoes for gym. No. Mm-hmm. Like um, true emergency situations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So can we go back though a little bit around the true – around this is a little bit of an emergency, right? So say someone is sick or say someone has thrown up at school or say someone – actually say someone has a stomach ache. I sound like an old person, but when I was growing up, <laughs> I would – either go to the school nurse, right? Yeah. Or I would, yeah, I would go to the school nurse and get someone to send me home if I was in middle school. So I did it in high school because I didn't have, there weren't phones. So you had to go to the school nurse or the office to place a phone call out. And and that's what keeps people in school. I would send the Guys, my first, I don't know if I said this in a podcast, but my first grade teacher bribed me to stay at school (laughs) with dimes. Oh, you did tell us that. How much money did you make that year? <laughs> Not that much. 1080. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I would say I had a stomach ache every day because I was anxious because I just found out we were moving oh, from New York mm-hmm. to Virginia. So I was anxious. And so I would go to my teacher and she would say like, okay, if you can stay the rest of the day, you can have a dime. Mm-hmm. And I would stay. Because but so like we problem solved it. My yes. teacher and I – yeah. Even well, she problem solved it because I was seven, but still, right? Like she came up with a system that wasn't so taxing for her that was motivating enough for me to stay. And there are natural supports in schools for these problems. There are natural supports. There is a guidance counselor. There's an assistant principal, a principal, a school nurse. There are other people, teachers. Yeah, right. and yeah, nurses. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting. I find having a high schooler that those people get passed by. 
So mm-hmm. especially the school nurse, like I really, like I know the school nurse from elementary school and because that's who calls you every time something's going on. But after that, you don't really have much interaction with the school. As soon as your kid has a phone, they, they are doing the texting and calling. And even in the middle schools here, I know the kids aren't allowed to use their phones during the day. Yeah. Um, and they're, I don't think they're supposed to carry them. I don't know quite what the rule is. But I'm pretty sure they would still find a way to access the phone to let you know they had gotten sick. And in high school, they're they're not. I wouldn't imagine. I mean, if if someone doesn't feel well, they're gonna call or text home immediately. They're not going to go to the nurse and do it from that that place. It would be nice, you know. I do think back to high school around teachers who helped me mm-hmm. with stuff mm-hmm. and. You know, even just hanging out in their room or if I got in a fight with a friend, a teacher who would help me problem solve that in the moment. And we, we aren't using those natural supports. And actually, y'all, research shows kind of the more adults you have keying in on your kids, the better they're going to be. And so why, why steal that opportunity? Mm-hmm. Well, it may be that you have to, as the adult or as the parent, identify the resources in the school mm-hmm. too. You might want to say like, oh, you know, your guidance counselor is awesome. Like talk to your guidance counselor or, you know, the nurse's office is here that, and I'm not talking like if your kid's a senior in high school, but you know, just help them kind of identify, like help identify who those people are in the school, help kind of point out and lean your support behind them. So if they choose to go see them, that they know that it's okay with you also, right. Mm -hmm. That you would be okay if that person called you or. I also, am going to say something provocative. It's not that provocative, but also y'all, Skipping school and that thrill or getting (laughs) caught is one of the fun parts of being a teenager. So if you're giving your kid permission to leave school, they're not learning kind of, they're not learning how to be responsible and not get caught for something if they skip it. You know, they're not learning, they're not getting consequences for their behavior if they get caught. I just think there is something, if kids want to leave school, there is something healthy in skipping and figuring that out as well. Okay, so senior skip day, right? Like I went to public school mm-hmm. of senior, and one of my really closest friends, who's still a really close one of my best friends, Amy. So I did not find out for probably I would say twenty five years out of high school. Senior skip day was like you know, on the down low, you organize it, you do a big old walkout, you think you were just badass as can be, only to then circle back and have to serve detention for walking out. But you know whatever, like you think you're badass, everybody leaves, they go hang out at different people's houses, whatever. It is like a full-on coup, right, Mm -hmm. for the senior Mm -hmm. class. We are so proud of ourselves. 25 years later, I find out that my best friend Amy went to the school secretary and got an excuse written for her. That's why she didn't show up in detention with me. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? Are you kidding? Like, I still feel a little, I mean, I'm, yeah. We got to have senior skip day, or like, we did senior skip day, but you had to go to practice. Because it was like, you weren't going to skip sports practice. So people like skipped the day and then went to sports. We got in trouble because we did see, we planned senior skip day for the day we had like a, like a statewide test. Ooh. Yeah. That didn't go over very well. That was bad planning on our part. I think it's probably why we we were cocky. Guys, but I skipped the way you skip work, which is like, not that I'm skipping work guys, just so you know, but I skipped As she she confesses to her colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) What? But I skipped the way you skip work, which is you skip and you get all of the shit done around the skip so that you don't get caught. So if I was going to skip math, I made sure I had my math homework done. If I was going to skip something... Amanda, that's a nerdy skip. 
I'm, but it's but, a planned out. It's a prepared. It skit. is a prepared. Or it's skit. a can I skip this? If like, have I done? You know, I don't want to go to this English class. You know, I haven't done the work. Yeah, therefore that's I have likely. to go. Right. So right. it's well, and like. I was too anxious to just skip, right? So I had to navigate like, well, I'm not going to be allowed to go home. So how am I going to deal with just getting through this day? Absolutely. Right? Like the consequence of skipping made me too stressed out to do it. So it was like, all right, you know, I'm not sick. (laughs) I'm not going to get to go home. So like, what do I do? Right? Like I just didn't even think about consequences. We just all skipped. (laughs) We were just like. Fuck this, Guys, let's go. Like, we're just going to have a party. I would skip, you know, there were like, you know, eight periods a day and you could get five absences per quarter. So I would have to plan when the oh, skips I did that were going to be. So it's like five different times. So is that like, were those like mental health days? Like what, what well, does that mean? It was a little bit of everything you That's needed, cool. you know. I like. I mean, I love it. I think it's really cool. I was never that planned out or like, I think I was... But- wait, I'm not that impulsive. I'm, I am kind of on the anxious side, but clearly I, I, my brain didn't kick in. <laughs> I, I had a 24-hour skip rule. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> yeah, didn't. I was going to say, I'm kind of impressed with both of you. Like, one was too anxious to skip. The other one was a prepared skip. And I was just like, <laughs> see ya. Well, like, in college, I learned, you know, how many excused absences you got. And I learned how to use those absolutely. well. In college, I learned you should actually go to class. But I learned the opposite way. I took, by a, not going to class. I took a financial accounting class in college, which, if you know me, is like not up my alley. <laughs> and <laughs> attendance wasn't required, but Ooh. we had problem sets due every week that you had to turn in by hand. So we would basically, like, you know, someone would, yep, someone would have to like volunteer to go turn in twenty problem sets oh and like gosh. hand them to the teacher and walk out. Like you still, you oh my still gosh. weren't going to class that day, but it was like everyone took a turn and you'd like gather the problem sets and go be like, hello, professor, and thank you, and then walk back out. So there are lots of reasons that kids, A, should be skipping to get ready for that class. They should learn how to do that in They high should. They should. But also, so I think our take-homes from this are... Getting the text puts parents in a hard position. It might be worth talking to your kids about not receiving the text while they're at school or giving code words, talking about emergencies, and backing out. Because the other thing I always think about is every time we give our kids something, we're also taking something away, right? So if you're giving your kid a response text, you're taking their you're taking away their opportunity to problem solve on their own. And it's a really fascinating thing to think about throughout life, but every time you give your kids something, you're taking something else away. Yes. I mean, absolutely. It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It and, does. And so I think by responding to our kids' texts while they're at school, we're limiting their ability to develop independence and academic success. And it's all about pacing. So if it it may be difficult and it may feel a little bit painful. If it's devastating, then clearly that's too much too fast. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really about pacing and and not so much our pacing as parents. Because I think like for me, I would love to be on my phone with my daughter having conversations while she's in class. Like that mm-hmm. would be kind of fun, mm-hmm. but not at all healthy for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the piece too, is we don't have to feel bad for wanting to give in. That's why we shouldn't see the text because of right. course we want to give in. These are our babies. Of course we want to give in. 
So that's why I can't even look at that text. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, what would you do if Bullet... I was just thinking, like, if Bullet <laughs> could text me from, like, Mom, I'm at home and I'm bored and you haven't been here in a little while, I'd be like, oh, my God, I have to go home. Like, he's not okay. <laughs> he does have some anxiety. Or I'm so excited to go to that dog class. That's fine. Guys, <laughs> he is the sweetest. Maybe our next post, uh, we can put a little oh, snapshot oh, of Bullet should. in so you can see my, my baby. Okay, y'all. Let us know if you need anything. You can learn more about us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And also like and subscribe and share these podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, feel free to text us instead of your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye.